Hello, and uh, welcome to another episode of the Bonafide Moto Show. I'm your host, Joe Fleming, also known as So Tall Right Now. Um, it's Friday. I don't really know what that means at the moment. Um, for those here in South Africa, we are now at day one of level four. Um, it was a mad rush this morning out on the exercise section of life. Um, I went out, took the dogs out. It was chaos, people everywhere. And then later went back to, um, go for a quick cycle through the parks. It was, I've never seen so many people. Um, everyone's been really, really excited to get out. I know that I was, it was just so nice to have some freedom. Um, so yeah, let's see, let's see how much longer we last here in level four. Um, we are going to continue doing the show, uh, next week. We've got a few guests lined up. I'm waiting to finalize everyone before I announce it. Um, so yeah, it's going to be another great week. And then I think we may start sort of stepping down the frequency of the show, um, it's been a lot of fun, but now it's three days a week. Um, but you guys are still enjoying it. I'm still getting a lot of comments. Um, so let's see. Tonight's guest, um, we have Cam Elkins. I saw he is on the show. I'm going to join uh, him just now. Um, he joins us from Sydney, Australia. <coughs> Excuse me. He's got a really cool YouTube and Instagram channel called Stories of Bike. Um, where he tells people's stories and not so much about the bike. Um, so I'm really looking forward to um, hearing his side of why he does what he does. Um, I think it's really cool. I've been following him for a few years now, and I actually found an old post that I commented on where I knew someone in one of his photos. Um, so I actually want to talk to him about that tonight. Um, yeah, if you guys have questions, you can hit up uh, the question mark button down below. It'll come to me and I can ask Cam. Um, if you have missed any episodes, our podcasts are now available on Apple Podcast. You can just click on or search Bonafide Moto Show and it comes up. Um, so, and it's on our websites. We've got photos of everyone and links to their podcast. Um, so you can go there, subscribe. You can hit review. You can tell tell Apple how much you love what we do. We'd much appreciate that. So without further ado, Cam, I'm coming for you. I'm going to add you to the call now. I see you did send a request. So let's see if it works. Oh, and also, it is... So Cam, I'm, I may wait for him to connect. Cam, there he comes. Um, what's up, Cam? G'day, how are you? I'm, I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little bit sleepy, but I'm okay. Um, so I, <clears throat> I was actually just about to say your story to everyone. So as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, Cam's in Australia, which means he is eight hours ahead of us here in South Africa, which makes the time 3, 3 a.m.? Is that yes, right? 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you, when I chatted to you on the phone last week, um, I, I was, I, I thought, I thought you were going to say, no, like this isn't going to work. Let's find another time to record this. 
Um, but I'm really, I'm really glad you you could take a little nap tonight and join us because I was really wanting to have you on the show. So, no, this is great. No, uh, 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 yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of lost sleep and small price to pay to, to have a chat. So all good. Yeah, <laughs> I think nowadays, like anytime we can interact with anyone, like I'm keen. I'm keen. We, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was, I know. It's, yeah, this, sorry, go sorry, ahead. this morning we it was like the first time I saw like massive amounts of people. Um and it was Yeah, so I saw that post. It was great. That yeah. you can get out. So, so were you at level five restrictions and uh, stepped down? Yeah, like level now here at level four in South Africa, it basically allows a little bit more infrastructure businesses to go back to work. Um, yep. Restaurants are now available. Some restaurant restaurants that decide to are available for takeaways. Um, and then we also are allowed to exercise outdoors now, um, but only from the hours of 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. So this was like there's photos and videos everywhere of people exercising this morning and it's, it's chaos. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know if it'll last, but hey, at least we were able to go out. Um, it was it was just really nice to to go yeah. out. Well, here, here in Sydney, they've just uh, as of today or yesterday, they've just um, lifted some of the restrictions. Before, you're not allowed to sort of visit any uh, friends or family or go to their houses, but now you can kind of do that. And uh, okay. with like two people and, and their kids, and so we start to sort of visit family, which is which is nice. Yeah, and how's it been for you so far? Like, do you have property where you can go out and at least get out a bit? Um, you know, not so much property, but you know, we've got a uh, house with a backyard and some basketball rings. My kids can can play out there and jump on the trampoline, but. But we've been we're able to go and exercise in our neighbourhood. Okay. We can sort of walk, walk around the block and you know go for a ride or, or, or a run or whatever. But um, yeah, but we, we've got a nice sort of fire trail uh, nearby that we sort of go and go and walks from time to time as well. So it, it's not been too bad. Like, okay. um, obviously, the one thing that I I kind of miss is not being able to go for a motorbike ride. But apparently. Uh, um, it, we were allowed to sort of do that all along because I was sort of classed as exercising. So it's <laughs> like, oh, okay, all right. Well, I missed yeah. out on that. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I actually saw some people like out surfing today that I think were getting in trouble. So I don't. I don't really know what's going on around here. Yeah, yeah. They, they tried. They tried opening up some of the beaches just to kind of let people take it easy and go do some exercise, but they just yeah. flocked the beaches, too many people, and they went, no, that's, that's too many. So they shut that back down again. But yeah, yeah. people are kind of still sneaking that in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to sneak it in, but I'm, I'm in a neighborhood with like eyes everywhere. And um, the last thing I want is my photo to be out on our local Facebook page of the community and... Um, I'll, I'll I'll stay within the limits if I can. <laughs> Where yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's sort of still still good to play it safe. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I mean because now, like, um, if you if you get caught, uh, you're in big trouble. 
and um, I don't really want to go down that road. Um, no, yeah, here's like a thousand dollar fine if you uh, if you push it too hard. Wow. Yeah, I think here yeah. it's a bit cheaper, but it's jail time. It's it, it's a big hassle. I've known yeah. people have gotten yeah. in trouble so far, and it's not been pleasant for them. Um, yeah. I think now everyone's learning their lesson, and let's see. Yeah. So it's gonna push through it. Yeah. So Cam. Um, uh, for those who are just joining us, this is Cam from Stories of Bike, and how I would describe you is as um, is, is a storyteller. I think um, I actually didn't look at the date, um, but there was a post of a friend of mine on your page. I think it was like 2016 or 17. Um, oh, right. Who's that? His name was uh, his name's Rob Zerbier. His Instagram name is Red Badger Malice. Yes. And, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, so he was, I think he was in Brooklyn at the time, uh, where the photo was. He's got like an old Triumph bobber. Um, and oh, I yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I met I him when I lived in Long Island. And, uh, yeah, right. I, I think I was out in California and following him, and, and I came across your page. I was like, oh, this is so cool. And it was a lot of stories of people and their bikes and it was just so cool to like see that connection um, and to see a friend of mine on your page. It was really ah, cool. That's how it happened. Nice. <laughs> yeah. so, so, Kim, tell me how Stories of Bike got started for you. Um, so, Stories of Bike sort of happened out of sort of frustration. It was just like a um, kind of like a, a catalyst of a, of a few different things. Um, I kind of remember it as sort of three specific things that kind of happened one after the other um, that kind of made me go, yep, this is something I've got to do. So the first thing was, um, was uh, obviously I'd been riding, but, but I sort of was getting into to sort of finding um, motorcycle videos, and I came across this video by a guy called Henrik Hansen. Mm. Um, back in 2007, I think. And he did this video um, on Shinya Kimura of Shabbat Engineering. And he, I think he just moved out from Japan to LA and set up his little game in uh, Azusa uh, in California. And it was amazing. It was like two, two and a half minutes and it just completely blew me away. I was just beautifully shot artistic and you know, there's yeah. no music and, but it just had this real rhythm and um, I, I just fell in love with it but I, and I wanted to find more of that kind of thing and I couldn't really find it mm. and then um, so I at that time I'd sort of just been mucking around with the uh, family videos um, uh, so I was still doing my day-to-day -day job which was um, like marketing uh, advertising consulting just for small businesses um but i sort of did video stuff just uh, just on the side just making videos of my kids and i kind of was uh, you know started experimenting a little bit with uh, just sort of filming my own motorbike and you know i was just really inspired by this video but still haven't really done anything and then um the um uh, the second thing was um, one of my clients uh, was like I was doing some work with them to um, 
probably about two or three days a week. So they were kind of my major income. And I'd been working with them about two or three years at the time. And it was just like a, it was um, attic ladder installation company. And that were, you know, it was a nice sort of family business. Anyway, the owner decided to put this, this sort of young guy in charge of the company. He wanted to make a whole bunch of changes. And um, he apparently had decided to, to let me go, but didn't tell me about it. And, um, and then the, um, uh, two of the directors of the company after a meeting has come in and said, oh, Cam, we just wanted to say thanks for all your time. Sorry to see you go. And I'm like, what? Um, I'm being fired? And they said, no, no, we, we heard that you volunteered to, to leave. And I'm like, no. And this happened twice in the same day, in an open plan office. And anyway, it was, it was humiliating. And I've never wow. been so angry in my entire life. And it just really sort of made me think, you know, what am I doing with my life kind of thing? And I just felt like I needed to, to get some kind of control and do what I wanted to do. And then um, and then the third thing was my mum uh, being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And she she raised me and my brother as a single mom, super hard all of her life. And, and then uh, she'd only retired a few years back and um, uh, decided to do a fine arts degree and finished that and then started painting. And then after all that, she was sort of diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer after sort of, you know, it's hard all of her life. And so it was kind of these, these, these three things that kind of made me go, you know, you've got to do something about this. You've got to, um, you know, find a way to make it happen. And it just kind of lit this fire in, inside of me. And... Um, it was kind of those three things that said, okay, I want to, strangely enough, make, make some videos about motorbikes. And I didn't know how I was going to do it or, or yep. what I was going to do. And then, um, and then, yeah, I just sort of reached out to a friend of mine, um, Bruno, who had um, the same bike as me, a GB250. And um, I said, let's make a little video about it. And he said, yep, cool. And so we, we, we did that. And... Um, and that was kind of an autobiographical video because I had no idea about interviewing or what I was going to ask or, you know, what he enjoyed about his bike. Yeah. So it was kind of stuff that I knew about my own riding. Um, and then um, I did that one, showed a few friends, and they said, oh, that's great. You know, do one on me as well. And so I ended up sort of shooting about two or three sort of back-to-back without not really knowing what I was going to do with them, where I was going to post them. And then um, I think by the time I sort of got ready to shoot the fourth one, I said, okay, I've got to come up with a name for this thing and put them somewhere. And so I started, came up with um, Stories of Bike. I think I wanted to call it Stories of Cafe Racing, but it have the I'm same ring to it. I'm glad you're on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and, and sort of started posting them up but um yeah it was just this real sort of fire that i'd, I'd never felt in my entire life of, of sort of wanting to do this thing and then um yeah and then in 12 months i sort of ended up making 10 of those videos um almost sort of close to one a month um and then um yeah sort of kind of took off from there but yeah it was about it was about two 
two, three years before I sort of found um, I could sort of do it as a full-time gig. Okay. And um, so at first it was just you doing all the work. Is that correct? Yeah, it was me figuring out everything. So figuring how how to shoot, how to put my camera on a car and shoot behind or in front of a bike, um, figuring yeah. out editing, um, how to do the sound. Uh, fortunately, my um, my youngest brother, my half brother Jack, um, he and I were sort of both into um, making music on our computers, and um, I sort of said to him, "Jack, do you want to make some music for this thing that I'm doing now?" And he said, "Yeah, sure." So um, he started writing music for uh, for the videos, which is great because that's a um, big part. Really, a big part. Yeah, music is a huge part, and a lot of people sort of in some of the videos I've seen will just kind of chuck uh, whatever track <coughs> on there and have works. But I've been yeah really fortunate to have Jack because I think um, uh, what he does to, to the story of the videos has made a huge difference to anything else. That that's the cool. That's um, that's such a huge uh, talent to have on your team because, like, I think back to um, years ago when I used to make videos, and for me, um, it's the music was always how I based um, the video, like what what it was based around, and like I'm the one that shot it, so I know all the footage, and I kind of would have like a couple ideas of the track that I would want, and then as soon as I found that track. I could I could put all the pieces together in my head. Um, yeah. But if you don't have the right track that really flows with it and is sort of the essential part of it, um, it it's, it's kind of weird. And it really takes away from the good footage you've shot, the story. Like it just, mm. if, it, if it doesn't fit well, it really screws up the video and, and it just doesn't, oh, you know, the viewer doesn't enjoy it as much. Yeah, it's music is um, particularly for for short videos because unlike a, a feature film where you have time to kind of settle in and sort of you know um, uh, sort of get into the story, a lot of these videos are sort of really only three, five, or sometimes ten minutes long. So music is a sort of big important part to kind of help take people along um, this journey or the story that you want to tell. Um, so. To have Jack, like he he scores uh, everyone in the videos that I've done, um, but, but he will sort of do that at last. So he will create a, a unique track that kind of flows with the story of the video, you know, picks up and drops down. So um, yeah, just be, to be able to have that is uh, is amazing. Yeah, and um, you mentioned earlier that like you um when when you first started the videos and you did it for like 10 months um like were did you self-fund everything or were you doing something on the side to kind of um subsidize the cost for this or how did that sort of work out over time yeah i was i was self-funding everything i was kind of shooting on weekends or you know at nights and then uh, editing at night so i was still doing my um, marketing consulting uh, <clears throat> and just sort of um, making uh, yeah no, normal kind of living doing that, but mm. still having my eye on figuring out how to kind of transition. Um, and it was it wasn't really until the, the 
second year I'd started doing it, but I started to get some you know really small commissions to do um, other motorcycle videos. The yeah. first one I did was was for uh, for Harley Davidson Australia, and I took a stupidly small amount to do three three videos for them. Yeah, um, it was like I did three videos for five five grand or something, and okay. ended up spending three months making these videos. And my wife is thinking, "What are you wasting your time on this for? You know, this yeah. isn't going to put food on the table, or you know." Pay uh, pay the mortgage, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was. And eventually, some more and more of those came, but uh, it really wasn't until the third year that, um, the fourth year actually, that I was I was to do this full time. Yeah, and during that third year, was that when you like also felt like sort of more confident in your your ability and your like flow of finding a rider. Um, doing enough like sort of documentation of them working with them and then going to shoot. Did you kind of pick up a, like a new flow to the whole process? Yeah, it was, um, it was kind of a combination of uh, developing the skills, like the technical skills and the sort of process to, to make the videos. But I'd say the biggest thing was probably um, finding the confidence to go into sort of scary places um, that, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have otherwise gone to. Um, I remember that the first real story that had an impact on my um, storytelling was um, the episode I did in the first season called Romance. And um, that came about on um, the back of uh, the fourth video I did, the guy that I did a story on called Steve, He's a good friend of mine. He said, look, if you really want to do an amazing story, go and do a story on Chris and Karen. He's, he didn't hear this from me, but um, Karen has been diagnosed with breast cancer. And I was like, oh, that's, um, that's kind of scary. And, and I, didn't, I, wasn't, I did not feel ready to kind of tackle that story yet. And it was in between. It was just after I... Um, I'd uh, finished Steve's story that my mum was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And it was um, a couple of months after that that I sort of had some experience with kind of dealing with someone with cancer and had had a kind of a, a grounding on how to approach Chris and Karen's story. And so um, it was around that time that I reached out to Chris and Karen and said, Steve, talk about your story. How did you feel about doing an episode of Stories of Life? And we ended up sort of talking for another once just over the phone. And then up until the point where they said, okay, Cam, we, we, we trust you. Let's do this. And, um, and so, yeah, we, we'd sort of spoken weeks up until the time that they invited me out to their farm. And um, I stayed in a, a hotel near them for a couple of nights to, to film their story and, you know, got to know got to know them and they showed me around their farm and you know we yeah. went the rides and re re really they shared everything with me you know that's how scared they felt and you know how much they loved each other and uh, you know they were childhood sweethearts and you know, really sort of letting me into their lives and uh um making that sort of video was um, it, it felt like a 
a huge sort of step up for me, but also a huge kind of responsibility in yeah. taking the, the story and and um, handling it with sort of care and tact. So um, yeah, it took took me a while to kind of edit that story into to something uh, that I felt was right, and you know, just editing that story as well. I I probably oh, never never cried so much uh, editing a video and. Yeah, and then um, I remember sort of showing my wife Sam that that story for the first time, and um, I sort of just sort of sat behind her and, and let her watch it and didn't say anything, and and she turned around and like tears are streaming down her face, and um, okay, all right, I, I think I can do this, but it, that was kind of an amazing experience and really sort of um, triggered um, something in me to sort of do more of that kind of storytelling and, um, you know, sort of start to dig a little bit deeper because um, normally I'm a sort of fairly reserved and um, quiet kind of guy and um, uh, I thought, you know, story, doing stories of bike was sort of um, an opportunity that um, sort of comes along once in a lifetime to to um, kind of have, have an excuse to really sort of get to know someone um so each of those stories it's uh, a kind of approach like that yeah and um you know to uh I, that's one episode that i haven't watched but um now it's it's one that i'm gonna watch um you know it sounds like with sort of each person that you you do spend quite a amount of, of time with them and i don't think it's necessarily easy to get people to open up to to people in general. So, what is it? What is it about Cam that people are so willing to open up to you? What is it uh, inside of you that you think um, you know allows people to trust you with with their story? I think um, I think any like uh, everything. It's um, Whenever you're creating anything with anyone, it's always got to be a collaboration and uh, like a, I kind of liken it to a shared experience. So with every story I do, you know, there's a lot of sort of sharing my own experiences and then sharing with me and so finding that sort of common ground in which to relate. And so um, each of the stories that I get into, it's, it's always sort of about, me sort of recognizing there's there's some spark or some connection right from the get-go like i'm i'm always sort of stories that i do is are, are about people that i'm already interested in and or have some curiosity about and so um i think when i go into making those stories i think in the first instance the person i'm doing a story about they're like okay someone's taking interest in me and in my story and and so immediately i think people kind of respond to to that kind of attention but then i mean that's kind of the, the first thing but then that kind of falls away and it just becomes a couple of people having a chat talking about you know life and the meaning of life and you know what we love about writing and what we what we get out of it and a whole bunch of other stuff and um yeah we just start relating and oftentimes I'll, i will um i'll shoot the interview last so that through the 
three or four days um, shooting wow. everything else, with some talking and and, uh, and chatting and, and getting comfortable, so that when it comes to the time where I'm sort of putting a camera in front of someone, um, we're already sort of free. So we we have it covered everything else, and so um, yeah, it just becomes a, a conversation with the camera. Yeah, I think that's um that's a huge point, and that's that's something for me as a photographer that I use um, as a benefit, and that's how I start shooting is building a relationship with someone, um, so that they're comfortable with me first, um, and then once I put a camera in their face, then they're like, okay, cool, that's Joe, it's 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 fine, I understand what he's trying to do, because um, if you just put a camera in someone's face. Um, it's it, 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 you can you can feel it on the other end of the camera. Um, yeah, it comes across very, very. You can see it right away that someone's not comfortable. Oh, you can feel it. Doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, it's very tricky. <clears throat> so I did see this a few times, and I just want to mention it. Um, is that uh, for anyone watching, you can find Cam's work on storiesofbike.com as well as YouTube. If you click on or search Stories of Bike, uh, you'll find his channel. Um, and Cam, so like you you started off with friends um, doing the show, and then it sounds like it was word of mouth at some point. And then how, how, how did it sort of develop into finding the people? Um, yeah, a, a lot of it was just um, word of mouth. Um, it was sort of, you know, I've got this friend who's got this story and, and, um, gradually people would, um, sort of get a feel for the kinds of stories that I was interested in and keep an eye out for them. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of it was, was word of mouth or sometimes I hear of someone else and, um, yeah, so it was, it was kind of kind of like that, but then okay. um, lately it's sort of been uh, a lot of commission stories from motorcycle companies. But but even so, or, or you know, the distinguished gentleman's right. They, you know, I've been working with those guys for the last few years, and, and they said, "Oh, yeah, we, we've got a guy who's we'd love to do a story on, and here you go. We'll put you guys in contact and, and see how you go." Um, so, but you know, again, they they're sort of aware of the kind of story that I'm interested in and, and sort of telling, and that kind of match matches up pretty well. Yeah, I feel when um, when I saw that you were doing work with DGR, I didn't feel like there was anyone more suited for that position because the DGR's um, sort of main focus is very sensitive to, to mm. people. Um, it, it, it involves a lot of pain, a lot of death, a lot of heartache, um, mental health issues. And so um, to tell a story, it needs to be done quite um, well and in a sensitive way. Um, so like for you, was it, was, it, was it sort of like an honor and a privilege to get asked by oh, them to, to do that? Yeah, the um, I remember the the very first one um, they offered me was back in I think it was back in two thousand and fourteen, okay. and it was a a local guy here in Sydney who just sort of had prostate uh, his prostate removed and a whole bunch of other stuff and was recovering from 
from that surgery and uh, recovering from that cancer. And yeah, so just talking about his experience and what he went through. Um, and, and that was that was a good introduction because that was kind of more of a, a physical um, recovery than so much of a, a mental recovery. But yeah, in recent years, it's been a lot about the mental health stuff, which is uh, which can get really scary. Um, yeah. There was one story I did um, of a guy called Mark, uh, who was actually uh, Chris, uh, Chris from the romance episode. It was uh, Chris's brother. Oh, and Mark! Mark was Chris's older brother, and um, and uh, he had developed uh, prostate cancer, but was also um, suffering from severe and uh, severe anxiety um, and uh, panic attacks, which all started from uh, developing tinnitus, which is a ringing, ringing in your ear. And um, we, I also have tinnitus, but I've, I've had it since um, since I can remember. But um, I was able to relate with Mark on that and sort of talk about the experience of having it and um how it just it does become debilitating at times but for me it wasn't so bad but for mark it you know it was this the trigger for all these um these mental health issues that he had so um dgr sent me down to, to tasmania where he'd um retreated to try to deal with it and uh yeah, and he and i spent yeah three three days um just talking about our episodes with depression and mental health and tinnitus and um it was a real um, it was an amazing experience like he, he was a just a beautiful man and um it's a beautiful part of the country uh, in australia as well um and i also got to um meet and chat with his his kids as well and to get to understand their experiences of what he went through so I sort of feel the um, the whole uh, picture of, of what what his uh, what he went through and his family went through. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that was that was uh, an incredible experience, but um, yeah, sort of tough at the same time to kind of deal with. Yeah, I could I could see that um, it, it it must be tough for you at sometimes to 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 be so close and intimate with those people and to for them to open up so much to you that um, I'd, I'd say in some evenings it, it, it must get quite tough. Um, um, yeah, it does. I mean, it, 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 it does get tough, but, um, it, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's sort of, I, I, I guess you kind of liken it to, to jogging yeah. or, or doing any kind of physical exercise. Like if you, if you're going hard, doing a certain thing, you're going to sort of feel that exhaustion hit you, even if you're sort of fit and used to sort of dealing with that kind of exhaustion. Yeah. Um, yeah, same same with emotions. If you're sort of talking about that kind of thing, you can sustain it for a while and kind of built up a, an emotional fitness to kind of deal with these kinds of subjects um, over the years. But, you know, at the end, there's, there's always sort of some kind of release that it might just mean sort of, you know, hearing some song on the radio and, you know, I start sobbing for 20 minutes just to kind of let it out. And, yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm kind of aware that that kind of stuff will will happen eventually and I'm yeah. just going to kind of go with it. But yeah. it's um, it's all, all part of sort of just 
managing um, also dealing with those kinds of emotions, even though they're, they're not mine. I'm so st still taking those stories on board and yeah, dealing can, with it. I'd say in a way you can kind of look at it as like you're, you're just the messenger and you can leave it at that. But um, I know for me, I, I would still like become quite attached to it and it would be mm. personal for me. Um, so yeah. I see at one end you can have it as a job and you can put it there. And then on the other side, your humanness comes out. And I think what you get is somewhere like along the middle where where you sit. Um, yeah. You're attached to them, but you're still able to get it get it out. Yeah, well, it's, it's um, I think what it really is, is just empathy. It's, um, it's sort of allowing yourself to feel what they feel and understand what they go through. Because if you, I think if you, tackle these kinds of subjects without empathy, um, you're basically building up a, a brick wall and you kind of can't relate. So you have to have that kind of empathy to kind of create uh, and tell these kinds of stories. To allow yourself to feel what, um, what they've gone through in order to understand it, to understand what parts of their story are important and telling and, um, and, and how to kind of structure it also in a way that kind of makes sense for, for someone who has experienced kind of what, what they've experienced as well. Yeah. Um, Cam, where did you get your hat from? <laughs> I got this um staring at it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I got this from uh Rogue Motorcycles in Perth. Um okay. I was doing a shoot there for Royal Enfield for um one of the custom build competitions and okay. I was in, in this workshop and I saw this hat sitting up on up on the shelf somewhere and I said, How oh, much yeah. is that hat? I don't care. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Just give it to me. <laughs> And he said, oh, I just got a bunch of these made. So, um, yeah, I think he I think he sells a few of them online. Okay, sorry, sorry for that curveball. Um, <laughs> someone, someone else did ask, but I've been staring at it the whole time as well. And I'm like, that is a good question. I, I, it's time to ask that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and Cam, so you, like, you do a show called Stories of Bike. If someone was coming to you and wanted to hear what your story of bike was like, what what would Cam's story be on the show? My story, God. Um, I don't know. I think just maybe a, a guy that kind of got lucky at the right time of his life to kind of um, make a turn from doing sort of the obvious thing of just sort of making some money and paying paying the bills to to doing something that um, I was lucky enough to to be passionate about. Like it, uh, I think to be able to do something um, and not care whether I get paid for it or not is uh, it's a pretty rare thing. So um, yeah, it's it's also a big point of contention between my wife and I are spending too much time on videos that I might not necessarily get paid for. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't care. Like some, sometimes I just pour way too much time than I need to into a video just because I love doing it. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, I still, I love motorcycling and I think it's, um, it's one of the rare things that we get today 
get to do to them that's um, that's got a bit of risk involved. And um, I think those people that sort of take a little bit of risk in their lives, they see the world a little bit differently as well. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you 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 do, and, and uh, the, um, I think to own a bike is is to own own a sense of fear underneath you. And I remember, like when I first got a bike, and I was really trying to figure it out. I was scared as hell, and, and I think you should be scared first time yeah. you get on a bike, and you should be for a while because otherwise you're not going to respect the bike. Um, yeah, that's. And once that respect comes for that for the bike, then you understand it. And then it, it sort of changes you inside. I mean, I, I remember that first feeling of starting up the, the bike that I bought for the first time. It was an old 83 Harley. And I was like, this, no way. Like, this is crazy. And I get to rev my own bike and it's loud. And to just go on it, to not be in a car, to have the wind flowing. Well, I didn't have hair through my beard, whatever it was at the time. Um, yeah. And, for it to just be you, like it's a feeling that's you, that you can't describe it. You, nothing else relates to it. Really, really it doesn't. Um, no, I, I completely agree. I, I think um, I've told this this um, to a few people, but I think if the motorbike were to be invented today, there's no way people would allow that thing to be invented. It's like <laughs> riding on two wheels, you can see the ground whooshing past you, you can see everything around you, and all you've got to protect you is a, a little bit of a shell on your head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's no way it, it would be allowed to, to, to be ridden on the roads. And, no. and but I, I think because of that, everyone um, who rides a bike just um, has something different in them to to anyone that doesn't, um, and and it's, it's that kind of little spark that I think um, is uh, is the core of the the stories that I want to tell. Well, yeah, yeah, we've got a we've got a bit of an edge. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we, we see we see things in uh, in brighter colours. Yeah. Um, Cam, a, a tech question for you. What is your current uh, camera rig and setup? Um, it's it's kind of evolved over the years to kind of get to, sure. to what I'm using at the moment. Um, but it's um, I should show you. Do you, want, do you want do you want to see it? Yeah, let's see it. Yeah, let's see. It. Right. Bring it, bring it. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you first. The the first camera I started with was a, a tiny little Canon. 550D, which is a Canon T2i, and I had two lenses, and I shot the uh, first 10 videos with this little camera. But it was great. Like, I had two prime lenses. Yeah. But not having zooms kind of taught me how to move around and sort of Absolutely. find the right composition. Yeah. Uh, but now, hold on. Can't wait. It's amazing how far we come with our technology and our skills and learning how to shoot videos if i look back at my first videos yo it's crazy yeah so, and now you've got that that's proper so this is this is what i use now it's um it's basically a a chinese knockoff of a red camera but way uh, i think yeah. way better and um way cheaper but basically yeah. all, all it is is this kind of this little thing with a a fancy lens and a matte wow. box on the front but um the picture is 
beautiful. It just um, yeah, it has something really nice and uh, creamy about it. And yeah, I um, think that's, yeah. that's what stands out so much about your your films is like it's just so clean and so neat and so like it's just it's just like the right the right enough. If, if that's a correct uh, language to use, like it's, it's just not, a, like that. Yeah, it's like you don't have to throw like I've I've, I've got a mutual uh, someone I know that I often describe that they've got like like if if they were to design something, it's going to have like fireworks and fluorescent and all this, but really all you have to do is make it simple. That's it. Yeah, um, and, and you got that right. I think that's this that is really come from. Um, learning to work with the, the limitations of having um, uh, minimal equipment. So not having everything at my disposal and just sort of figuring out how to use what I had at the time. Yeah. And through just working with that, I was able to kind of develop a, a style of my own. And um, yeah, like I, I tend not to use gimbals, um, even with um, a lot of my of writing stuff it's kind of a fixed angle and people say yeah why don't you get google and then you can sort of look around and do all this stuff and it's like oh i don't need to do that it's like yeah all it is is a few shots and a few different angles and um to, to sort of tell a story and then and i can do an editing and when you when you shoot from a vehicle what's your preferred vehicle to shoot from and where do you shoot like the tailgate of a truck out the window, like what's your like confident uh, place? The magical minivan is just the, the best vehicle to oh, shoot from. Yeah, it's so, so low, it's, the doors are low, wide. It's, it's low, the doors slide open, so I can kind of just lie on the floor of the the back seat and sort of yeah. shoot the camera out the side or you know, shoot out the back. Um, the tr it's tricky to sort of mount the camera on the front and follow a bike that way, but um, yeah, minivans are great. You can yeah. basically just sit down, sit wherever you want, and shoot whatever you need to. It's great. Yeah, it's perfect. Like um, I was in, I think the first one of the first times I ever shot photos out of a vehicle um, in video footage was when we were in Peru. We were in Land Rovers, and we were on like this discovery expedition that was called the Land Rover Experience Tour and like I just wanted to shoot photos out the vehicle like uh, Alan was with me so he had his video camera so I would reach out the car and just shoot and I just loved being out of the vehicle and I think it was yeah. what, uh, what, what got me doing it was they had their like team photographer who passed us in the vehicle and he's like telling us like slow down no stay in that lane stay in that lane and he's just out out seatbelt wrapped around one arm Lens in the yeah. other, and I was like, that is fucking cool. And I'm doing that now. Where's my camera? And like the whole rest of the trip, I did it. And it's just <laughs> so much fun to hang out of a vehicle um, because that's where you can get a good shot. You get something different um, than nor normally. And that's what sets mm. it apart. And it's yeah. so much fun. And, and, and shooting shooting motorbikes, you can say, right, come, come closer. And, yeah, yeah. you know, um, you can sort of lean in and. Um, yeah, and that's the great thing about the minivan. Like you can just sort of get a bike right up alongside, and often, <clears throat> oftentimes I'll I'll just shoot uh, handheld out the side of a car. Fortunately, I've I've got a fairly steady hand, and 
you can really sort of lean in quite close and move, you know, get right up close to gloves or helmets and, yeah. um, and yeah, leaning, holding onto a seat belt or, or, a, or a car seat or something like that, the headrest or something like that. So, yeah, many are great. Is there, is there someone that you've filmed that, um, excuse me, that you didn't have a lot of confidence in as, as a rider, you were like, oh man, this guy can't ride. Like, like, has there been anyone like that? Or any close calls on a shoot? Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking about this the other day, actually. Um, lovely guy, um, Brad, who I think he was the third story I did. There was a video called Contact, and he was an American guy. He sort of grew up in California, um, moved to Brooklyn, and then moved to Australia after that. And got into got into motorcycling. Super smart guy, a musician, but um, his his mind is kind of everywhere. And we were shooting a scene in Sydney, and he was sort of, I just sort of had the camera stuck on the back of my car, and he was sort of riding behind me. And we we were doing probably like thirty kilometers an hour on this uh, on this street. And I, before every run, I make sure they know what I'm doing. I so look out for my hand signals. I put my hand out the door if I'm slowing down. Um, and if I do slow down, I'll make sure to sort of slow down really good. So he, he got all of that, and then, but we came up to a pedestrian crossing, and he was just enjoying himself too much. And so, you know, this, you know, he couldn't believe he was being filmed or something or just enjoying yeah. <laughs> the scenery i don't know what happened but he did not see me break until the last minute and he sort of looked up panicked locked up the front wheel and and just sort of low-sided it um at 20 kilometers an hour and I'm, I'm like oh my god you know what have i done you know this is it this whole video thing i've just started it's over yeah. it's gone all these horrible thoughts ran through my <clears throat> ran through my head then I sort of jumped out of the car, ran around, and he's sort of lifting his bike up, and he's like, "Oh no, it's fine, it's all right." You know, I wasn't watching you, and and um, he bent his his brake uh, brake lever, and we sort of just pulled it back, and we we're away. But um, that's probably that's probably the only time I've had like concerns that. about riders. But um, every everyone else I filmed it have been pretty. Uh, Pretty skillful and, and yeah. Um, great. Yeah, everyone that I've that I've seen that uh, they look confident, looks fine. Um, but I could see someone like getting uh, quite um, just being anxious that you're with a camera. Like, oh, yeah, no, I can see that. I've have seen it with people before, and um, that was actually one of the biggest things I had to <clears throat> sort of educate people about when they would join us on our trips as when we do our briefing in the morning before a four or five day trip, I say to them like, look, I'm going to be um, riding up front. I'm going to have a camera on me and I will come and shoot photos of you throughout the trip. So like, if you see me, like, it's okay. Just continue doing what you're doing. It's fine. Um, because I noticed when I first started shooting photos while riding and I wouldn't tell people and they, they like hated me. They're like, no, that guy, he, He's insane. He rides close to you, takes photos. I don't like it. But now, 
now they know now they can expect it but still like they they just need to know like okay i know what i'm doing just yeah. ride. i'll worry about me you know you you yeah, do you. Right. Um, yeah it's with that it's reaching those expectations and just making sure people understand where you're going to be and what you're going to do and um yeah with with any kind of riding scene i'll sort of give a brief and say right we're going to ride from here to here you're going to start here i'm going to come along beside you you don't worry about your speed you just watch what's in front of you i'll move around you and then we stop up here so we do a brief of every move every um every shot that we do um and sometimes i do need to get people to act and so i'll say right we do this bit i need you to kind of look around at the scenery put a smile on your face yeah people forget to smile yeah they might be smiling internally but but just a reminding someone to smile is it's like a dangerous thing because um yeah now they're sort of taking their attention away from riding safely and um yeah. so yeah always uh where that kind of stuff. and um do you shoot from the back of a bike much um no rarely no really I've, i've only shot on the on the back of a bike probably twice okay um once was i was filming a, a motorcycle safety series for um the local government called road to ride and there was an episode called um bell's line of road <clears throat> and the guy that we featured for that episode was the um deputy police chief of the state okay and um, he was a mad motorcyclist he had this big road king harley and um there was a shot i needed to get of, of um him riding along this sheer cliff wall and the the only way i could get it is if i sat um on the back of his bike and sort of held the camera down next to him looking up but um the client here all government types they said no no we can't have you riding on the back of the bike it's not safe and i'm like look fine you're a rider he's a rider fortunately having the uh, deputy police chief to say look i'm happy with him being on the back of my bike it was sort of a, a nice mode of confidence uh yeah. and we got the shot and it was nice um the, the right. second time i've ever done that was um actually in a sidecar in um in new uh, york filming for the last um, DGR and um, <clears throat> I, pr- I probably had the, the the wrong setup for that I had a, a, um, a harness which has the yeah. it's called an easy rig so that has this harness with a rod that hangs above me and then yeah. the camera hits in front and it was really sort of shaky and I couldn't get in the right position where I should have just sort of kneeled down in the side car and on a handheld it's like a handheld on that wow. yeah that, i think that's, that's the only two times i've shot from a bike <laughs> okay so cam we've got i think just under two minutes left i should yeah what two minutes now um okay so um so where so you've got stories of bike so for those listening you've got stories of bike on youtube um yep. you've got something coming up next what is that <clears throat> Yes, so I'm working on a TV show called Crossroads. And anyone who's watching um if you have a fantastic local road, um 
then I want to hear about it because Crossroads is about the, the world's best motorcycling roads, but presented by the locals who ride them. Um, so it's going to be a six-part series, and each episode will focus or showcase three different roads from different parts of the world. Um, so go to crossroads.show to, um, to find more about the show. Uh, there's a trailer I put together together for that and uh, you can also submit your um your riding road and, and your story to uh to be involved in the show and, and we'll, we'll come to you wherever you are in the world and i definitely want to come to to south africa as well check out some, some great roads do it do it we, we've got some for you <laughs> uh, i want to see to have you here <laughs> so um so that's it everyone Thank you so much for joining us on episode 15 of Wow, well done. Crazy. Um, yeah, it's, it has been so much fun. And it's really been an honor to chat to people like you, Cam. And thank you all for joining us. You can catch this on the podcast tomorrow. Cam, I'll send you a link to it. And uh, everyone, have a nice evening. And we'll chat to you next week. Cheers, Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Take care, buddy. Thanks, guys. See ya.